Hey y'all, welcome back to Eco Chic. My name is Laura Diaz. It's really good to have you here today. Last week we spoke about the Supreme Court ruling on Dobbs versus the Jackson women's health. That was the court case that we have all come to know as overturning Roe v. Wade. I spoke about that quite in depth on my feelings. It was quite a personal episode. And then towards the second half, we did tie it back into climate change and what this means for my eco-feminist platform and what we're thinking about from here on out. Today, we are also talking about a Supreme Court ruling. This one has gotten a lot of attention, but I think that as a general public, we are far less familiar with it. Today, we're talking about West Virginia versus EPA. If you've seen the headlines, if you've seen the Instagram infographics, perhaps you are on a surface level familiar with the name of the case, with the conservative majority verdict, and you vaguely understand that there is some tie to emissions and climate change when it comes to this case. If you've been seeing West Virginia versus EPA all over and you're like, what's the big deal? Don't worry, my friend, my girly, we are starting from the top and I'm going to set the scene for us. In 2015, the Obama administration proposed the Clean Power Plan. This was a really big deal at the time. It's a very comprehensive plan that was presented to do two major things in support of American climate goals. First off, the Clean Power Plan hoped to use technology to reduce emissions. That's step one. And then step two is what we call generation shifting, moving the American economy off of traditional fossil fuel sources towards alternative clean energy sources like solar and wind power. The emissions reductions definitely raised some eyebrows, but the big controversy really comes with this generation shifting part of the Clean Power Plan. Multiple state agencies and coal industry companies and lobbyists came forth to challenge the Clean Power Plan. And ultimately, the Clean Power Plan didn't really happen. It didn't come to enforcement and it stayed in the court system. It didn't get any further. The Trump administration afterwards had an EPA that was far less aggressive, and they put forth an affordable clean power rule in 2019, which was also challenged and it stayed in the courts and nothing truly came of this affordable clean power rule. What this means is that ultimately America as a whole doesn't really have a way to measure emissions, enforce reduction of those emissions, and then actually support clean power at scale. We know that globally we need a clean energy transition to fully support our climate goals. We really can't fight climate change unless we're off fossil fuels. Now let's get to the case that we're talking about today, West Virginia versus EPA, because it kind of feels like we've been having this conversation over and over again about emissions reductions, and it's getting really frustrating. And you're not the only one that feels that way. Congress felt that way too. There was an amendment made to the Clean Air Act, which was first enacted in 1963 and has been amended many, many times to keep up with modern environmental laws. And in this particular amendment that we are talking the most about today, Congress, who writes and amends laws, granted the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, the authority to identify best systems of emissions reductions from power plants. This is what we call delegation. Delegation is exactly what it sounds like. It's just how you would use it in everyday language. There is an appointed body, here being Congress, that is delegating authority to an agency, here being the EPA. 
And I want to make sure we understand it's not like there's one guy at the EPA calling the shots. It's not like there's one blanket system that is now applying to all power plants by the EPA's standards to reduce emissions. There are two main buckets of regulations that come of this authority granted by Congress. There's one group of emissions reduction rules and regulations that look at new power plants and then a separate set of rules and regulations that are controlling and measuring emissions from existing power plants under this amendment. And again, this is not like a blanket authority that the EPA has. There are limits that are outlined very clearly in this amendment to the Clean Air Act. A really important one being that the EPA cannot set taxes or fines on plants that fail to meet emission standards. And I think this is interesting because it means that while they can measure and they can set goals, they can't necessarily enforce anything economically by these power plants. However, the EPA can work with states on their implementation plans to basically force power plants to install more emissions reduction and control technology. Or, dig this, I really like this bit, the EPA can encourage states to implement their own taxes violating these power plants. So there's a lot of state agencies now involved in getting to these emissions reduction goals. This whole system, starting with the amendment to the Clean Air Act, the delegation by Congress to the EPA to measure and report these emissions reductions by power plants, and then even furthermore, thinking about the economic impacts of perhaps a cap and trade, of taxes, of actually encouraging and somehow roundabout economically forcing power plants to reduce their emissions. That's the whole basis of West Virginia versus EPA. Something interesting about this case, while we do call it West Virginia versus EPA, West Virginia is actually the leader of 19 other states. This is like a really big class action lawsuit, essentially, versus the EPA. And these 19 states led by West Virginia came together under this decision, this premise that the EPA has too much power in regulating emissions. Really quickly, I want to read out the 19 other states that joined West Virginia in this case. I think it's really interesting. Alabama, Alaska, Arkansas, Georgia, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Missouri, Mississippi, Montana, Nebraska, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Texas, Utah, and Wyoming. God, what a mouthful. Essentially, these 20 states came together led by West Virginia at the D.C. Circuit Court level to challenge this amendment as a whole. Not even the regulations, not even the technology, just the fact that the amendment exists and delegates authority. The Supreme Court did intervene and started hearing the case in February. And yesterday, June 30th, we got a ruling. We had a pretty typically split Supreme Court for this session, 6 3 ruling that Congress did not have the authority to grant the EPA authority to regulate emissions from existing power plants based on, again, that generational shift goal, which ultimately would have invalidated the Clean Power Plan. This isn't a total loss for emissions reductions and the climate community and climate goals as a whole. The EPA is still allowed to regulate emissions at existing power plants, through those emissions reduction technologies, we are just not seeing the same support anymore for that generational shift. So while we can reduce emissions from current fossil fuel burning power plants, we can't necessarily incentivize the clean energy transition off of these plants. 
This is really concerning, of course, for climate change. This is really concerning for emissions reductions, which we know, again, we ultimately need to meet our climate goals and really support the well-being of our planet moving forward, if I can just be so blunt with it. But another really big impact of this case is that it sets a precedent to really reduce severely the authority and the impact that the Environmental Protection Agency can have. Quick break. Your body is an amazing, amazing organic machine. It turns food into energy, it heals wounds, it supports your consciousness, and so much more. But it needs the right fuel and the right signals to really function at its best. Some of those signals include adaptogens. These are compounds that balance hormones and help you deal with stress in a healthier way. If you're feeling tired, these compounds give you a boost of energy. If you're stressed, adaptogens help you return to a natural state of calm. They literally help you adapt to the stress of life. My favorite source of adaptogens is Organifi. They create these super delicious superfood blends that mix easily with water. They make it easy for me to get more adaptogens in my day, like ashwagandha, reishi mushrooms, all the things that I've heard are really, really good for me, and I just need to start incorporating them. If you're looking for an easy way to support your amazing body, I highly recommend Organifi. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offer plant-based nutrition with high-quality ingredients and less than 3 grams of sugar. They have different flavor options like green juice, red juice, that's my personal favorite, 3 o'clock little slump, I love a red juice. They've got golden chocolate, pumpkin spice during the holidays. They all are really delicious. All of these include superfoods for resetting the body and feeling amazing. If you want the highest quality plant-based ingredients for optimal health, go to Organifi.com and use code ECOCHIC for 15% off any item in the store. I'd also like to tell you about Haya. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. A lot of children's vitamins have tons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, lots of gummy junk that growing kids really don't need to be eating. And that's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved superfood chewable vitamin. Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door in a package families love so parents have one less thing to worry about. Did you know 93% of kids don't eat enough fruits and vegetables? Haya fills in the most common gaps with modern children's diets to provide the full body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste that they love. Haya is made from a blend of 12 farm fresh fruits and vegetables and supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals known to help support a healthy immune system, energy levels, brain function, mood, teeth, bones, and more. It's manufactured in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, each selected for optimal bioavailability and absorption. And again, it arrives straight to your door every single month. Haya is on a pediatrician-recommended schedule, and your first month comes with a reusable glass bottle. Your kids can personalize it with stickers. Then every month thereafter, Haya just sends a non-plastic refill pouch of fresh vitamins, which means that Haya isn't just good for your kids, it's also really great for the environment. We've worked out a special offer with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You can receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash EcoChic or enter code EcoChic at checkout. That's H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash EcoChic and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Full discount applied at checkout. Links are in the show notes. So who are we going to be looking at when it comes to emissions reductions, when it comes to climate solutions? It really comes down to our representatives and it really comes down to who you vote for. There is a bipartisan climate solutions caucus that exists 
that congressional members can join, that their constituents like you and me can call them up and encourage them to join. We really need folks to be voting in our midterm elections, and we really need to be putting climate at the forefront of a lot of our decision making. I know that's easier said than done, but if you take anything away from this show, I really hope that it is that you can tie climate change back to just about any issue in your life. And the same thing happens when it comes to voting. Last week, we talked about the overturn of Roe v. Wade, like I mentioned at the top of the episode, and that is a conversation that is at its most important, a human rights conversation conversation, but you can take that one step further and tie it to climate change. We can do this with the brands that we buy from. We can do this with the food that we choose to eat. We can choose how we travel through the lens of climate change and how we're transporting ourselves. I really do encourage you to think about climate change no longer as a political issue, but as a lens that we can look at all of these issues through, because ultimately it is a bipartisan issue. It's happening whether or not you want to acknowledge it, whether or not you want to act on it. And if you're listening to the show, I assume you're on board with the climate conversation and the urgency around climate legislation. But I really encourage you to have more of these conversations in real life with folks that you wouldn't normally have climate conversations with in spaces where you feel like climate may be viewed as a political issue. We really do have to work to desensitize the politics, I suppose, when it comes to climate solutions and emissions reductions, especially in this particular case. After this session of the Supreme Court, I am seeing a lot of calls online to expand the Supreme Court. I encourage you to look into that because while I am not an expert, I think it's a really interesting conversation. I'm not a politician and I'm not a lawyer if you can't pick that up yet. But we really shouldn't feel like we need to be ultra educated on every single political issue in order to understand them at a high level. So I think the conversation around expanding the Supreme Court is extremely interesting, and I encourage you to dive deeper on that. Something I encouraged y'all to do last week that I'm going to encourage again this week is to read the dissenting opinions. They're available for every single Supreme Court ruling. SupremeCourt.gov, I believe, is their official website. But I would really like to read out and kind of start winding down our episode with a quote from Justice Kagan. This is the last paragraph in his dissenting opinion. The subject matter of regulation here makes the court's intervention all the more troubling. Whatever else this court may know about, it does not have a clue about how to address climate change. And let's say the obvious. The stakes here are high. Yet the court today prevents congressionally authorized agency action to curb power plants' carbon dioxide emissions. The court appoints itself, instead of Congress or the expert agency, the decision-maker on climate policy. I cannot think of many things more frightening. Respectfully, I dissent. Justice Kagan knows what the heck is up. I want us to close out today's episode with a quote from Michael Regan, the EPA administrator, on the news of West Virginia versus EPA, reducing the authority of the agency that he administers. Like I mentioned, this is not the end of the road. This ruling is extremely, extremely disappointing, but we still have options, we still have solutions, and there is certainly still hope. Listen, I am deeply disappointed in the Supreme Court's decision today, actually very frustrated. Uh, The decision does constrain what we do But let me be clear, it doesn't take us out of the game. Uh, We still will be able to regulate uh, climate pollution, and we're going to use all of the tools in our toolbox to do so. The constraint 
that we're seeing today just prevents us as a country from making the progress as quickly as we need to. Climate action presents an opportunity for this country to ensure global competitiveness, create jobs, lower costs for families, and protect people's health and well-being, especially those who have suffered uh, from the burden of inaction for far too long. And so, yes, today's action is a disappointing uh, action. It's, uh, it's devastating in many ways, as the president has said, but it doesn't take us out of the game. And we're going to continue to use every tool we have uh, to keep pace with tackling the climate crisis. Love the optimism. If there's anyone I needed to hear it from, it's Michael Regan. Thank you guys so, so much for tuning in. I hope this cleared some things up for you. I hope you can move forward with the news of West Virginia versus EPA and engage thoughtfully in conversation and education online and in person. Like I mentioned, we really do need to be having these conversations more and more. With that, I hope you have a really fabulous weekend. If you enjoyed this episode, send it to a friend, post it on your Instagram story, you know what's up. You can subscribe to this show wherever you're listening right now. Make sure that you're subscribed. You never really know. Follow on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. All of my social links are always in the show notes if you want to get in touch, if you want to tag me in those Instagram stories I mentioned that you'd be sharing. And say hi to your mom for me. Really nice to have you here. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye.